0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of 10,000 Startups. I'm Roger Royce, your host of the 10,000 Startups podcast, where each week we bring you subject matter experts on topics of interest to startup companies and closely held companies on legal issues that affect startups and strategies for startup success. And this week, we're going to take a little bit of a different approach, um, and we're going to talk about what to do when things start to go wrong. Because I've heard that sometimes startups don't succeed. Every once in a while, they fail. And if you see your startup going that direction, like I said before, you definitely want to be around to fight another day and get out there with your next one. So we have this week an expert in uh, troubled companies. We'll call it Michael Hogan with Arminino. He does ABCs. He does workouts. He does down rounds stuff like that. So Michael, thanks for being here today. Um, and I guess. I guess we can. The opportunity. Yeah, guess we can jump right into it. So, uh, let let me kind of get to to the big thing. Suppose we've got a startup company, and uh, like I say, things start to go the wrong direction, and it looks like they're just not going to make it. They're not going to be able to get funding, and and the company is just not going to succeed. What are the options that a founder has at that point?
1: You know, that's the important thing, actually, Rob uh, Roger, which is options what we find is a lot of times people are thinking about just one thing at a time. They're thinking it as though it's linear. It's like, Oh, we're going to try to raise money. And then if we can't do that, then we'll go and try to uh, find a buyer for the company. And then if they can't do that, then they maybe need to wind it down or maybe they're going to do a restart. And they kind of think of these things as though there's an order to them. But what happens is they really don't have as much time as they think. And so when they really start to, to understand that, that things are really challenged and they're in trouble <clears throat> that at that point in time, they start thinking about doing one of these and they run out of time and they run out of money. And so mm-hmm. one of the biggest things is exactly as you, is like, what are the options and the, and really thinking about those options and thinking about doing them in parallel rather than doing one after the other. So <clears throat> while you're out using, going out and raising money and trying to, to close that last round, Maybe you should think about going into the market and trying to find, see if there are buyers, focus on the, you know, the ones that are going to move quickly, the strategics, the ones that you can do and start doing that. And people are always saying, well, they're afraid if they do that, then they're they're going to ruin maybe the, the, the other part of the process. And the, and what happens in reality is they become, one becomes a forcing function for the other. So if you've got existing investors and they're saying, yeah, we're interested, but it, you know, but keep, you know, but see who else can come in. If you run that sale process in parallel, <clears throat> then all of a sudden when you you say, okay, we're going to run that over 30 days, 60 days, whatever the timeline is, at least when you get to the end, you've got a solution, a soft landing, a better story. But even more than that, what you've got is a, an ability to, to force some of the other decision makers around the table because they know you're going to do something in 60 days. Mm-hmm. It also opens up other possibilities, which is that all of a sudden, if the existing people don't want to do the funding round, but you go and do a run a sale process at the same time, if you're not getting success in the sale, that's also an indicator of kind of what the market is thinking. But it may be a reason why insiders or management or other people may say, well, maybe we do this, but we want to do it as a recap. Maybe we want to do it with a fresh cap table. Um,
0: something else, so talk about that for a minute. What is a recap? What do you mean by that
1: so when you basically one of the challenges that a company has is that at any given point in time, when somebody looks at them and says well what's the future what the future requires cash payment they're going to have to fund it to grow it to do all of that, but they also have this this past um, cap table, this past set of of equity holders and everything else who are going to share in the success of the new money. And so, in the same way that preferences work in in regular funding rounds, you know, the, the you, each round gets a, a liquidation preference because so they want to stay first in line. Sometimes you don't have the luxury of of structuring it that way, so you may need to redo it. One way to redo it is with your existing investors, is to basically do a down round, or, you know, uh, essentially where. The, the the new money coming in is going to get a much higher value, you know, is going to get a much bigger piece of the pie. And the other ones are going to get crammed down in that. That's mm-hmm. one way. But there could also be a, a total <clears throat> recap or restructure where essentially it's only for people that want to be part of the future. Mm-hmm. That the company got to where it is. It's unfortunate. But but that's where the company is. And so now all of a sudden you're just focused on wh- about the future. and so. But by having, say, run a sale process and and looking at all these other options, you're going to be able to go back to the investors and say, well, why did you do that? You were just doing something to help yourself. And it's like, no, we tried to do everything, but unfortunately, nobody else was willing to play. And so, but at least there's something here and it's going to give, you know, a, a, a soft landing, a better place. What are we going to do about those employees? They're going to have jobs. What mm-hmm. about the story? At least as the investors that were there, you can say it got sold or it was transferred, or there's still a reputation that they were associated with it when it was in the beginning. So it doesn't necessarily satisfy their, you know, their mm-hmm. their their bottom line per se, but it's a much, much better story than just a big crater in the ground.
0: Right. Gotcha. Okay. Well let me kind of suppose that we've got to the point. Where we're just beyond a point of no repair this company's not going to succeed no one's going to buy us yep. um you know no one's going to finance us uh what options does the entrepreneur have at that point
1: well the, the the first option is is that if they actually were planning and they and they had looked at how much money they have in time and they get to that point and they say there's no buyer hopefully there's going to be enough cash there to just wind up the business to properly wind it up and what that means is, paying off all your employees, paying off all your creditors, your vendors, your suppliers. Um, maybe there's something there for the for the equity holders, not much, but maybe a little bit. But you do a managed wind down and you can do those. You're a Delaware corp. You can do a managed wind down under, under Delaware law and it, it basically, you can wrap it up. That's if you're solvent. That's if you can pay all those creditors off. And again, part of it is that when you start when you're when you were back three or four months ago, did you actually do the take the time? We always like to, with our clients, go ahead and do what we call a waterfall. First, understand what your real liabilities are. Not just looking at your balance sheet, because your balance sheet is two months old and it doesn't have everything on it, like accrued payroll and other things, um, you know, depending on when it is, but looking at where you really are, seeing how much cash you have, and and that'll tell you how much time you have. A lot of people don't do that. They look at it and they kind of think of the cash out date as the day the bank account is dry. And it's like, you know, OK, the bank account is dry. What about our employees? Did we take care of them? What about our sales tax? Because um, the state, of, you know, various states and certainly the state that we live in um, is very happy to knock on the doors of officers and directors at the sales taxes or any other things where you basically you withheld. Um, it's not so much payroll tax anymore, but you withheld those. So a lot of times they don't think about that. But if you do that properly, then you manage, you do a managed wind down and you can, you can do that. We help companies do a lot of those. Um, If you don't have that, then you start to get into the, to the, into the, into the zone of, or we don't want to say zone of insolvency. That's not really the proper word anymore anyway. Um, But when you're insolvent, when you can't pay all your bills, Then it just becomes a little bit of a question of maybe you can negotiate. As an example, if you've got $4 million in liabilities, but three and a half of those are safe notes, or they're just convertible note holders, and your vendors are only um, 500000 maybe if you have a million, you go to your note holders and say, hey, look, you know, <clears throat> if we pay you We'll we'll give you the 500 and you guys can share it per rata. But I'm going to pay off my vendors. I'm going to pay off my employees. I'm going to I'm going to do what we call an out of court workout or an out of court wind down and negotiate those. And if you have a really small group of creditors, or particularly if you have a concentration of creditors that are note holders or equity holders and understand that, very often they'll say, look, we'll let you pay off the creditors and then you give us the rest. And so then even though you're insolvent because you can't pay everybody. Um, for you know, and note and that's the other thing people don't always appreciate the fact that note holders are creditors, just like your vendors, and so mm. they aren't below or above. You only have if you have banks and secured people that are are secured, of course, yeah, and then you have some wage wage and tax priorities that are what they call priority general unsecured, and, and then everybody else is all in the same pool. But again, if it's a if it's a it's a pool of few swimmers, but, you know, but they're big ones that you can negotiate, you can negotiate. And so then you do a a negotiated wind down. And essentially, even though you can't pay them in full, you 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 essentially pay off all their life. You you take care of them and then you can walk away. Then it's solvent.
0: Yeah. So, you know, work out if, if you can get everyone to agree to it. Certainly, yeah. just to have the agreement—that's clearly the best way to go. But of course, now we get into that scenario where you're not going to get everybody who's going to take a haircut to agree, so right. you can't get a workout at all. Uh, so now we're going to have to force something down their throat. And let me give you kind of the scenario that we see over and over again. You got one big secured creditor out there, okay? Maybe it's a bank. Maybe it's one of those note holders who was smart enough to ask for security, I guess. Maybe it's somebody else. And they're looking around and they're saying, you know, there's no value left in this company, certainly nothing for the equity. Uh, We don't think there's anything for the general unsecured. We think there's barely enough value to cover our secured debt. What is that secured creditor going to do and what should the company be prepared for?
1: Well, the the realities are the assets are their collateral. And so they're they're the party that you need to deal with. Um, what we see is there are a couple of options. There's essentially the, the, the one of them is if you were to go and you do it, you did a sale and basically it was for all it would pay off was a secured creditor. You negotiate with a secured creditor and you get them to agree to take what the proceeds are. But if the secured creditor, the one thing is people don't always appreciate their secured creditor. The secured creditor is at the top of the stack. And they need to be, you need to be respectful of them and understand what they are. And you're you're not going to be able to, you know, it it like like working with a bank. The best way to work with a bank is to have a plan, communicate with them, not just surprise them at the last minute and say, Oh, we're out of money, but I've got some Bob over here and he wants to pay you 50 cents on the dollar. The bank's gonna go, it's not fair because you haven't run a process, you haven't validated whether Bob's offer is worth. I mean it's you're just setting yourself up for a problem but the realities are if this if you've got a secured creditor they're in the first position and so they have a lot of tools that they can use they can foreclose they can basically foreclose on their note and which is essentially becomes an auction there are a lot of flavors to foreclosures but the short is it's essentially it's an it's an auction they notify you and say you got you to gotta pay me, you're in default. You got to pay me per the terms of the note. And if you don't, we're going to, quote unquote, go to the courthouse steps and have an auction.
0: Well, um, let me stop you. You said you used a clause there. It's kind of interesting. You said run a process. What does that mean to run a process? And why is that important? What it
1: means to run a process is, is that, you know, one of the biggest issues is <clears throat> this perception of value. What exactly is something worth? Well, you can say it's worth X, um, but you but the but the thing is is that if if you've got if you're trying to explain it to somebody else, if you're trying to negotiate with somebody, if you're trying to do that, you can, I mean, the typical thing that people would do is you do a valuation. You go out and hire a valuation firm and you create a valuation, and that's what becomes the value that people then use to to look at what what is this all worth. If you just had hard assets, you'd go hire an auctioneer, and they come in and they tell you that we're going to get two hundred thousand dollars for what's here. But if you don't have that, if you don't have that, what what's really hard, particularly for startups where you don't have hard assets, you've got potential, you've got a future, but you don't have revenue, you don't have recurring, you don't have the typical things that are used for evaluation, then the best way, in our view, to do it in the in the near term is to have the market tell you. And what that is, that's the process. That's where you go out to the market. You reach out and you say, hey, you know, you identify people that should want this. You put together something to show them what it is. And you, you say, are you interested?
0: Can you advertise?
1: Would you? You know, when we do it, we do it, we do it in a pretty targeted way. We've got some really deep relationships with lots of different kind of distressed buyers. We also look at the company and and leverage who they know because it's gonna likely going to be strategic. We're just starting to see some people that are what we you know call the distressed private equity firms, but a lot of those, as you know, sometimes their idea of distress is not what you find in a startup. <clears throat> theirs is a company that has you know just bare you know is barely EBITDA break you know break even, but they know they can come in and they can fix the manufacturing floor. They can they can do their you know, their financial magic and get it, you know, make more money and then sell it for something. Not somebody who needs another, a biotech company that needs, you know, uh, 500 or 5 million or 5, uh, 50, 50 million dollars for a phase three clinical trial. That's, you know, that's not there. That's not yeah. what they do. Or, or a startup that, you know, needs another, you know, needs another two years to get to mm-hmm. break even. Um, so, that's the that's the challenges that you, you um, you know, the kind, there are, there are some buyers for that, but most of them are going to be strategics. Yeah, and really yeah. it's going out, identifying them, getting in front of them and having them give you feedback. And some of them will say no, and that's okay. The other thing that's important is, is that anybody can say, well, it's worth, a, uh, you know, it's worth 2 million or 5 million or $10 million. And the answer is, it could be if you had a year to sell it. Yeah. Yeah. But, that's, but the re, you, the realities are what the realities are, and that's why valuations become more challenging. If you've only got 90 days worth of cash, then um, you really probably only have 60 days worth of cash because you didn't account for some of the other challenges you'll have along the way, but you only had that much time to actually go out, find a buyer, and close a deal.
0: Okay. So that's kind of the non-court supervised process. Uh, where you just show uh, the, the creditors um, and anybody who might have a claim that that you've done all you could to get value out of it. Let's take that one step further. We have this thing called an ABC transaction here in California. I know you've done a million of them. Um, so, so what is that and when would you use that tool? So, you know, that's to
1: pick on your word tool. I think that's right. I think some people, we get calls all the time. Somebody says, I want to do an ABC and what we say is well wait a minute that's a tool there's also bankruptcy as we talked about with with you know if you have a secured lender you can do a a foreclosure these are all different tools the real trick obviously is to find out if there's a buyer out there because if you find a buyer the buyer will tell you what tool they want you to use and if you use one of these tools too quickly it could preclude you from certain types of buyers there are some there are advantages of abc's and disadvantages we could spend all day we could spend another three three of these sessions talking about that but the realities are if you can find a buyer or you know what you're going to do then you look at the abc but essentially when you when you really are in, when you're insolvent and you're you're trying to get something done you have things under federal law which most people think of and that's bankruptcy You've got Chapter 7 bankruptcy and Chapter 11. Chapter 11 is a reorganization. That's great. You've got a lot of money. You know, all the, the, the note holders and it's a billion-dollar company, and everybody's swapping around all the debt in different ways, but you're restructuring the debt, essentially, and you're going to come out the back end of it, rejecting leases, all of that. It's a great process. Do Do those, but those are expensive, not what a startup does. When you're a small company, you know, you don't have the million dollars or whatever it's going to take to run it through. There's a there's a there's some new bankruptcy. There's something called the Subchapter 5, which is an interesting tool. It's just starting to come on the scene. But the point is, it's bankruptcy. Bankruptcy is federal. It's all in court judge. Um, and it takes time. It takes time to get a sale done uh, because you have to go through a whole um, auction and approval process uh, to be able to do that. And so it's 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 there. The other option, and the bad option, is a, a Chapter Seven bankruptcy, where you basically turn over the keys to a trustee. The trustee, they know what they're, you know, they're they're basically appointed by the court. There's a panel of them, and they get the keys, but they don't know your business. They haven't worked with the team. They they're not there to, to create value out of the particularly the intellectual property. They're there to look and see who got paid last, and and and. Pull funds forward and and do do different things, but chapter seven it doesn't cost very much, but it's not really um, people don't like it's very public and it's really you know it's a crater in the ground. The ABC is a, is a tool that um, it's been around actually for for over a hundred years, but it was usually done with with small it, actually done with individuals. Uh, but 20 years ago they started to do them in a couple of different states California Illinois um were kind of the big states in the beginning but it's it's under state law and in those states they do them and you have them under 30 states but you also have them in Delaware um which allows a lot of different you you're able to do them but essentially it's done under state law and in California it's non-judicial so there's no court but there's very well-established law about what an assignee is supposed to do. An assignee being in an, AB, an assignment for the benefit of creditors, you're essentially appointing a fiduciary it's called an assignee. And in that case, the assignee steps in and they work for the benefit of creditors, assignment for the benefit of creditors. But what they're doing is they're basically, the assignee is going and trying to create value. And then once, they've, once we've established the value then we can take that value and distribute it to the creditors. The creditors all get noticed and people get paid out their value, you know, according to that. The real thing, though, is, is that if you have a buyer that comes in and wants to do this, they can come in and you can sell it to them in the ABC and they can get the assets um, without all those liabilities, without the cap table, without it.
0: Yeah, so sort of a prepackaged sale where you just wipe out the general unsecured, right? Right. Well, you're not wiping them out. You're
1: giving them the value at the time, and hopefully, you've you've been able to generate enough value with that buyer that they're going to get something.
0: Does that um, ever happen?
1: <laughs> it does actually. Um, you know what? We one of the, one of the things that people don't always think about, and that's why we tell we talk to people about it, which is the part of the value when they when they're tired, they're fatigued, they've had the worst day in their life. They're not focused on value. They're focusing on how do I just put this thing down and and move on. Mm-hmm. and it's really talking to them about value being able to find value there and get that and then being able to create you know value for creditors. So the answer is we do distributions um and and occasionally if you do it right and you you actually find a buyer you may have, may be able to even get something back to equity holders. So it it's really going to vary and it's really driven by the value of the asset. So it's not it's not um it's not something that you can you you know when you go in it's really about when you go to market and you find the value, um, then you're gonna you're gonna find out what it is.
0: I get the sense you might use that over a more probably more extensive bankruptcy when you got a little more time and you don't have a creditor breathing down your throat about to take the asset away and destroy all that value. Am I thinking about that right? You are, and I think the
1: the biggest benefit of the ABC is is the fact that you get go. I'll call it the going concern value. In other words a buyer can buy a de- can buy you can you can actually go out and look for buyers ahead of time find a buyer and then they want to use the ABC so essentially it becomes a sign and close as long mm-hmm. as the acd is comfortable that the the product that this has been marketed and and created value you can do the abc pretty pretty quickly thereafter but the point is is that you preserve that going concern value basically the employees move over the customers are uninterrupted. And so whatever, whatever uh, traction that the company had, uh, the new party can come in and keep that value there. If all of a sudden you get into a very, say a very public bankruptcy, what happens during that 60 to 75 days, if you're really trying to move things quickly of trying to do a sale, you got to write checks, you got to write a lot of checks to people around the table, you have got to keep the employees engaged. Um, They're not you know, they're all of a sudden everything's very clear. They're very aware of everything. Their customers are there and saying, oh, well, maybe I don't want to be here. But if you go, if you're in a situation where for all intents and purposes, the customer never feels the pain, then you're going to have that customer. I mean, we're working on a deal right now, and the biggest, the biggest issue that these people are really excited by is the ability for all of the customers to remain happy yeah. because that's where their future value is. Okay.
0: All right. Well, we're at the top of the hour. We could talk all day about uh, we just scratched the surface, <laughs> haven't we, on insolvency reorgs. But uh, last question for you, if, if people find themselves wanting to discuss this, how do they find you? Uh,
1: easiest way is um, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, of course, like everybody else. Um, don't go find me on Facebook because uh, that's for my kids. Um <laughs> <laughs> certainly at uh, on our on the armenino website uh, type in expert and uh you can find hogan in there so um available pretty easily and again you know our we work in this ecosystem and so our team you know that's what we think is really important and so we have a lot of conversations with people that end up being very successful without but they raise, they they get the funding they do that they're successful and that's great but we're part of the ecosystem, so happy to talk to anybody.
0: All right, and I'll put all your contact information in the show notes. All right, Michael, I want to thank you for being here uh, to talk about this uh, this topic. I uh, can't say it's a cheerful topic, but it could end up being a good, good answer for somebody, so people need to know about it. This is Roger Royce. This is 10,000 Startups, Legal Strategies for Startup Success, and we'll see you next week.